Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. We're continuing on in our study and our journey with Jesus. We've been doing this study in the book of Luke uh, for many months now, and we find ourselves near the end of chapter 19. And uh, it's been a long journey, but it's been a really good journey. We've learned a lot, uh, been reminded of a lot, saw several different uh, points so far that have hopefully helped us and uh, been encouraging, maybe challenging as well. And uh, last week was no different. Last week we saw three points. I want to remind you of what we saw last week. God's go is never negotiable. God's go is never negotiable. In other words, we don't have the right as his children to say, I know you told us to go, but we don't feel like going, we don't have time to go, we don't want to go, whatever. Uh, We don't have a a, a leg to stand on to negotiate with God to go. None of his people ever have. Uh, Now, they may have have tried, we may try, uh, but it still is not up for negotiation. The second point was God's plan is perfect without our help. His plan is perfect without our help. And I know that can be a difficult pill to swallow sometimes because... Things don't go the way that we want them to go. They're not going the way that we want them to go. Uh, Things are different. Things are difficult. They're ugly. They're messy. And we think God should do this, or we think God should change that. And it's not necessarily the way that God works. And uh, so, again, his plan is perfect without our help. Our job is to try to yield and to submit to him and his plan. And uh, that means through the mountaintops and through the valleys, through the difficult times and through the, the awesome times. Uh, it's our job to try to yield into that plan and trust him regardless of whether things are good or bad. And then the third thing was God's nature and being demands our praise. He said that if, they, if his disciples stopped praising, he said the very stones would cry out and worship him. And so he is God. He is, he is all worthy of our praise. This morning we sang that song, uh, Oh, Praise the Name. I love that song. We, we came into practice this morning and I was like, man, I, I love this song. I I just love it. His name is so worthy of praise, and uh, we need to remember that. But but I want to touch back on something that I just said, point number two. God's plan is perfect without our help because I think sometimes we we can hear that and we we can accept that in our minds. Um, That is until we really go through it, the difficult time in our life. And then we start questioning, we start thinking, man, God needs to change this. God needs to fix this. God needs to do this. He needs to do that. And it's sometimes in those fiery furnaces. It's sometimes in those lion's den. Uh, It's sometimes in the captivity. It's sometimes in those times of great difficulty and trial that God's doing something amazing that he can't do in our life. I mean, he can do it, but we need it to happen in our life. And maybe somebody else needs to happen in their life while we're in the middle of that trial. And that's, a diff- again, a difficult pill to swallow, but we need to remember that it's all a part of God's plan, and uh, it's a perfect plan. And so the reminder for us this week, as I shared last week, if God's plan is perfect, which it is, why do we spend so much effort trying to get God to change his plan to fit into our plans? And, um, you know, I was thinking this week about that after, after this, the message last week, and um, I got to thinking about it, and the Lord was showing me some things about this, and something very specific came to mind, something I'd seen, um, came into my email, I don't know what it was, but I, I saw it at some point in time, and so I, I want to share it with you guys, if you guys will go ahead and, and show that. 
Weil es um ihn geht. Ah ja, ich muss auch so den Marsen drücken, oder? Sometimes our world and our lives, it's, it's being painted a certain way, and uh, we anticipate and we expect, and we kind of see the writing on the wall, and in, in the process, or we think we see the writing on the wall, and um, you know, we can get excited, get entertained uh, it, with kind of how our life is going, we're happy, things are going well, and then we can just kind of lose and, and, and get disenchanted with it, and uh, I think in that process, stop living by faith. Uh, but live by a plan that we feel comfortable with. And um, again, in the course of this, we can get frustrated, get impatient. What's going on with my life? Get discouraged. It's not working out the way that we want to, uh, much like those judges did in hitting the buzzers. Um, again, it's just not turning out the way that we expected once, it's, you know, once it first started. And it also can be really messy. It can be really ugly. And the canvas of our lives, we kind of look at it. And we say, man, this is not good. Or maybe we look at it and say, this is plain, this is boring, I'm tired of, of this direction. Some, somewhere down the road, though, maybe it's going to be an eternity, I don't know, but maybe in this life, God turns our world upside down uh, to reveal a masterpiece that only he saw from the beginning. And uh, the artist of our lives, he's the only one that could see it. Uh, again, through the the pain, the hurt, the messiness, the not making sense, uh, the disenchantment, uh, the frustrated expectations. Again, that's what sometimes happens. 
the truth is we need to trust the artist. We need to trust the artist of our lives. We need to trust his vision of what our lives are supposed to look like along the journey. We need to trust his, not try to make a way for, for our own. Again, even with the messiness, even with the ugliness that we encounter, we endure in this life. Because after all, all of our lives are part of a beautiful masterpiece that he's created. And we may not see it like that, we may not feel like that, but it's going to be revealed one day how each of our lives fit together and fit into the masterpiece of the artist. And so I, I hope that we remember that, that again, his plan is perfect without our help. Um, and we just need to trust him. And so wherever you're at this morning, if you're struggling, if you're on a mountaintop, you're in a valley, you're not, it doesn't make sense what's going on in your life or, or whatever the case may be, uh, if you're following Jesus Christ, if you're trusting him and you're trying to walk in his ways, just trust in him, rest in him, and soon enough, uh, the picture will become clear and it'll be a beautiful masterpiece. Again, it may be in eternity, uh, but he'll, he'll show you. Uh, just, you just have to trust him. Let's pray this morning and we'll get into this week's sermon. Father, thank you so much for uh, the opportunity we've had so far to worship you in song and the reminder again of what we've seen and we've heard already this morning, uh, that you are the artist of our lives, God. You are uh, the great artist, Lord, uh, painting a masterpiece that uh, nowhere in your word you guarantee that we see the big picture uh, all together like you do. Lord, your ways are above our ways. Your thoughts are above our thoughts. Um, God, we are right now in a temporal world, and we can only see uh, the, this way. And so I pray you would help us to trust you every day of our lives, God, regardless of what we're going through, regardless of, of how hard it is or maybe even how easy and comfortable our lives may be. I pray that we would always be desperate and desperately trusting you. I pray you move now this morning, that you would just use me as a vessel, that you would get all the glory from this. God, your purposes would be accomplished, that every single one of us uh, would hear your word and heed it and respond to it in the right way. And we'll praise you for what you do. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 19, if you have your Bibles there, we're going to begin in verse 41. If not, it's going to be on the screen. It says this, and when he was come near, he beheld the city. Now remember last week we saw that he, they were headed to Jerusalem. He stopped, they stopped in, in Bethphage and Bethany uh, to tell his disciples, two of them, to go into the town and get a colt uh, that was tied. And, and we already looked at all that and how they went and got the colt and brought it back to him. The triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into the city of Jerusalem is what we're seeing. And so uh, that's what he, he comes up upon Jerusalem and he, and he sees the city and he weeps over it saying, If thou hast known even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now are they hid from thine eyes. Point number one, if you have your notes there in your bulletins, is this, Christ weeping exemplifies what our brokenness over the lost in our city should be. The brokenness that we see in our Lord over Jerusalem, it serves as a great example for you and I, his followers, should have over the city that we're in right now. That's why I share all the time. I want our whole church membership to be engaged in the Great Commission because it is the mission of the church. It's not something that is just for the pastor and the elders and, and, and the deacons and the ministry leaders. It's something that every single Christian is to be engaged in. We, every single Christian should realize, look, God doesn't want to leave his children in a messy, ugly, hurtful, uh, bad world that we live in for naught. He would much rather have his children at home with him, but he, would not, he doesn't want any to perish. The Bible says they're not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. 
And so every single child of God should be a part of the mission of reaching the lost. But there's a key that, to, to being a part of the mission. There's a key to being faithful to the mission. There's a key, I believe, in even seeing fruit in the mission. And that is this brokenness that we see in our Lord. He comes upon Jerusalem, sees the city, and his heart is broken. So much so that he weeps over the city that he's entering into. He says, if you had known even thou, Jerusalem, at least in thy day, the things which belong that are making for your peace, the things that God has done, the things that Jesus Christ came to the earth to do to make peace with God for mankind, to be that bridge, to be the payment for sin, to do all those things, if they had known those things, they would have responded differently to Jesus Christ as the Messiah. But he says it's hid from their eyes. So this morning I have there in your notes several different things about our brokenness, I believe. Uh, why we should have brokenness or where our brokenness should come from in light of, as the children of God, what we've experienced. The first one is this, our brokenness should come because we remember our own salvation from sin. We should be broken that there are lost people out there because we were just like them before we were saved. We, we were in a lost state headed for an eternity with Satan and his demons in the lake of fire, this is what the Bible says, before Jesus Christ saved our soul. And so we should remember that every single day of our lives, we should be broken that there are still people that are lost and in darkness, lost in their sin. And that should break our heart because we used to be like that. Until someone, a preacher, or someone knocked on our door, or someone, a friend shared with us how we could be saved from that judgment that's waiting for Satan and his demons and all that reject Jesus Christ. And our brokenness should come because we remember our own salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. But grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not by works, lest any man should boast, because we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So again, when we remember that it's only by God's grace and it's for God's pleasure, his service, good works, that we are saved. Not by good works, but for good works. We are saved, not because we can do anything to do it, but by His grace. But once we are saved, God's foreordained plan is that we should serve Him in His kingdom, not our own. Number two, our brokenness should come because we believe the judgment is real. This is the judgment seat of Christ that we're going to look at in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But the truth is, the Bible says that every man will appear before God, stand there, and give an account for the life that he lived. Now, for those who are saved, we don't have to give an account as far as our salvation goes but once we are saved we'll stand before God and be judged how we lived our life for him as his children why because all of our sins were already taken care of on the cross all of them have been judged in Jesus Christ that's what makes it so amazing but we'll stand there and give an account but the lost will also stand and the Bible says at the great white throne of judgment and they will be judged for how they live their life and yet there's no way that they will be given entrance into heaven from that great white throne of judgment because they rejected the sacrifice provided for them through Jesus Christ. But it says, we all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to he had done, whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. Our brokenness should come because we believe that there is a real judgment to come. That you and I will stand before him as his children and give an account how we lived our lives for him. 
or we didn't live our lives for him as his children. But we also believe that there's another judgment that the lost will stand before. And again, that should break our hearts. Our brokenness should come, number three, because we love as we are loved. The Bible says if we are saved, we have the love of God in us. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says that that's what urged them to do what they were doing for the kingdom of God. It was the love of Christ. He said the love of Christ constrains us. It compels us. Matthew chapter 7, I'm sorry, this is Mark chapter 12, verse 31. And the second is like to it, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Of course, the verse before that, uh, Jesus explained what the greatest commandment in all the law was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then 31, the second is like, like to it, love your neighbor as yourself. The question was asked, who's my neighbor? Jesus gives the story of the Good Samaritan. Anybody in need, anybody who's lost, anybody who needs a savior. Our brokenness should come because we know many are called but few are chosen. We know that the chosen are those who accept Christ and they are few as the Bible says. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 13, enter you in at the straight gate for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. Many are going in the broad gate that leads to everlasting destruction. That should break our heart. That there are many people on this path that is, that's leading to everlasting destruction. And then he explains, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. There's only a few people in the scope of the whole population of the world that are on the straight and narrow path that lead to life everlasting. Again, it's not because of their, their goodness. It's not because of what they've done. It's because they've chosen to turn their back on their life surrender and submit their life wholeheartedly to Jesus Christ, making him the Savior and the Lord of their life. Those of us who've done that are on the path that leads to life everlasting. Again, none of us by our own accord, all because of what Jesus has done. But this should break our heart. That There's only a few. In, in, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 14, for many are called, but few are chosen. Our brokenness should come because we see the ravaging nature and the effects of sin. Not only do we all know what sin does in our own lives, but we look around the world. You turn on the news at 5 o'clock when you get home or whatever, before you leave and you turn on the news and you hear all the junk and all the sin and all the effects of sin. We realize that sin has, has damaging and lasting effects. And that should break our heart. I mean, it does. I've shared that before. I turn on the news and you can only watch so, so much of it and you've got to turn it off because you're like, man, just feel beat down by all this junk. James chapter 1 says this, verse 13, Let no man say that when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, because God cannot, tempt, cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man's tempted, when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Listen to this, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. We know that sin is destructive. That should break our hearts. We should look at the news and we should look around us and we should just look around our own lives and say, man, sin is destructive. The fact that it's taken so many people it should break our heart. And the next one, our brokenness should come because we understand that Jesus is the only way. Let no proposed theologian, let no uh, other religion, no, no intellectual person ever uh, bring any other thought to your, to your life and accept it because there is no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. 
He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me, is what he says in John 14, 6. There's a lot of people that are very smart out there. There's a lot of people that even claim Jesus Christ that sound so smart and intellectual, and they say that there may be other ways to God. That is a lie from Satan. Satan is the great counterfeiter. He's the great deceiver. He's the father of lies, lies and there is no nothing further from the truth when he says there may be another way or there is another way. There is no other way to the Father but by Jesus Christ. And because of this, because there's so much lies and because there's so many deceptions, because so many people think that maybe there is another way to, to heaven, it should break our hearts that so many people think that Jesus isn't the only way. Our brokenness should come because we experience and we experienced as Christians God's grace. We experienced it for salvation, but the truth is this. Every single day of our lives, since the day we got saved, we've been walking and standing in the grace of God. It's only by His grace that we're still here. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 2, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Our brokenness should come because, again, we realize we didn't deserve salvation in the first place. We should be broken over the lost because we realize we're not worthy to speak Jesus' name, let alone tell other people that's the way they need to get saved. I, I have no, I, I feel not worthy one, one iota about sharing how to get to Jesus. Nobody should. He's holy. He, he is worthy above all. But that's what makes the, the Great Commission, that's what makes our, our responsibility to go such a high privilege as we don't deserve it. Yet he says, go do it. And we should be broken because in this amazing grace that we have been saved and we stand, we can serve the King of Kings, the holy God of all creation. We should be broken because of the grace that we have. Our brokenness should come because we grasp the weight of eternity. And I, and I, and I say that because uh, that's in context. That's as much as humanly possible. As much as humanly possible, we grasp the weight of eternity. The truth is that you and I can get wrapped up in our temporal world, and we do. We get carried about with our jobs, with our, with our activities, with our kids' activities, grandkids' activities. We get wrapped up in our entertainment. We get wrapped up in so much of the temporal world that we live in that we can easily lose focus of the weight of eternity. So much so that we can go day after day after day without ever saying one thing to the people that we encounter about Jesus Christ being the only way. We can go day after day after day getting so engulfed in, in, in so many things in this world and never once say to somebody, God loves you. We grasp the weight of eternity. At least at one point we did because at one point we said yes to Jesus. And we turned our back on our lives, turned our back on sin. And we began to follow him, and, and at that point we realized how important eternity was, the weight of it was, because we didn't want to spend eternity in hell, we wanted to spend eternity in heaven. So we, at least one point in our life, as the followers of Jesus Christ, grasped the weight of eternity. But we should be broken over the lost, and every day of our life we should remember the weight, the seriousness of eternity. And that should break our hearts that there, is there are people that are dying thousands every single day that are going into eternity 
with no hope, no help, and will remain there forever. And our church is unique, and again, I shared, we, we met some people, and praise God, they're here this morning, special guests that came uh, from Thursday night, and you know, I, I've shared this with our church, but the reason why we do that is not for, for any other thing other than we want to make sure that within five miles of this church, every single home at least gets the gospel once. It has a chance. I mean, if, I, if my house was burning down and I had no idea it was on fire, I would pray that someone would care enough to come and knock on my door and say, you got to get out. There's a fire. And what does it mean? What is the moral uh, temperature of our hearts and our lives if, if we have the only way to heaven and yet we never share it with anybody or we never go to anybody and tell them this is the only way to escape judgment for eternity? That's why we do it. We want to make sure somebody gets a card in their hand or we can have a conversation or whatever and, and they have the choice. We don't force anybody that's, that everybody in this community has an opportunity to say yes to Jesus or no to Jesus. And that's it. And on top of that, hopefully we're, we're going to restaurants and hopefully we're going to our, our workplaces and our families and our neighbors and, and being the light and, and, and sharing with them as well. Because that's why we're here. But our brokenness should come because we grasp the weight of eternity. Matthew 25, 41, Then this shall say unto them on the left, left hand, Apart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire. Did you hear that word? Everlasting fire. And notice what it says, prepared for the devil and his angels. It was never God's plan from the beginning that mankind would spend eternity in a place that he designed for Satan, his enemy, and Satan's followers. That was never God's plan. Now God has a plan in all this. God's plan was that he created mankind to walk with him, and man chose to sin. And because sin entered, it passed upon all men, and death passed upon all men. And that's why Jesus, God's plan, the solution, came and died for us. So again, we should grasp that weight. Our brokenness should come because we get that many are deceived and the lost are spiritually blind. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, actually verse 3 uh, is, is the one I think that it's only verse 4 that you have there. But, it's, but if our gospel will be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. If we don't share it with those that are lost, it's hid to them. And whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. If we don't shine the gospel that we have on the lost, then they will remain in darkness. They will remain blinded by the God of this world. That's the truth. That's where we're at. If we don't do it, if we don't shine it, then they will remain in, in that blinded state. Our brokenness should come because we have peace with God that the lost desperately need. And truly the lost desire that peace without understanding that they, they desire the peace that only God can give. Romans chapter 5 verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's only through Jesus Christ, only through faith, our faith in him, only through the justification that happens in salvation that we can have peace with God. And again, the lost world is desiring that. that I mean, you can even look in politics, you can look across the, the landscape of the world and see that the, the world is wanting something that only God can provide. We have the answer. We have the only way. And our brokenness should come because, look, the world is looking for this peace that we have. 
should be broken that they don't have it. We, we, we have a responsibility to give it to them. And lastly, our brokenness should come because we realize that we can't reach the lost alone. I can't do it by myself. Each individual in here can't do it by yourself. We as a church can't do it ourselves. We realize that, but we also realize that so many are unwilling to help. And I say that because I think that's the truth. I don't want to sugarcoat it. I don't, I don't want to make light. I think that's the truth. I can't do it alone. We as a church can't do it alone. But I think there's so many Christians that are simply unwilling to help. I just don't want to. I don't want to help the lost come to Jesus. And so when you put it like that, I don't, I don't like that. But that's the truth. If we have all these things, if we have this responsibility, this call, if we have this privilege, if we have this grace, if we have this light, if we have this gospel, if we have everything, and we're not doing it. It's either, number one, we are absolutely physically unable to do it, which that's possible, or we are unwilling. We have to realize that the charge to make disciples of all nations was given to the church, plural. The followers of the way, the disciples of Jesus Christ. That was his mission. He came to this, this earth to seek and to save that which was lost. And that mission remains to this day. That's it. There's no backup plan. There's no fallback plan. Jesus said, you know what, I'm going to give this to the church. And that's it. But we know that he came into his own and his own received him not. Again, he weeps over the city. He says, you don't, you don't even realize that, that peace has come for you. you. You don't understand this. You've been blind to this. At, at one point he says, I would have brought you under my wings as, a, as an eagle, but you wouldn't have it. And even though that was the truth, Jesus Christ still remained broken over their sin state. He still wept over the city because of their lostness. He still had a tenderness and a brokenness over their lives. And my question is this, how was he able to do that? How was God Almighty in the flesh able to remain broken and, 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 and crushed over the sin state when he knew that his own rejected him? Not only that, he knew what was lying ahead for him. He knew what was going to happen. Christ was able to be broken over a people who rejected him because of his love for mankind, first of all. And I think he also was able to remain broken over a people who rejected him because he stayed focused on the will of the Father. He was able to take the rejection that would come from his people. He was able to take the abandonment and the betrayal from his own disciples. He was even able to face and go through the crucifixion because he maintained the right mind and heart. And see, in this example, I think that we can gain so much as well. The truth is, you and I are going to face things in this life that are going to break our hearts. Maybe you're going through something right now that's happening. Somebody's hurt you. Somebody's offended you. You're going through a real hard time with, with people. The truth is, people will hurt us in this life. But we will be faced with a choice of our response, just like our Lord was. 
With Christ, we see the attacks we, on him. We see the rejection. Again, we see the abuse, the pulling out of his beard, the mocking, the abandonment, the betrayal, even the wrongful trials, the wrongful death, all of those things we see what Jesus Christ went through, and yet he's still looking at the city before all this happens, and he's weeping over their hearts. His heart is remaining tender towards those who would die for And all these things didn't skew his heart for the sinners. And so it shows us something. In our struggle with others, we have choices. There in your notes, three choices, and there's, this is three among many. But in our struggle with other people, we can either grow better or we can get bitter. We can grow better. We can get closer to God. We can grow stronger in our faith. We can, we can have a more tender heart towards them, even those who are attacking us. Remember, Jesus, we haven't got there yet, but many of you already know he's on the cross, being crucified, looking down at the people that just left him, betrayed him, crucified him, mocked him, beat him, pulled his beard out, spit on him, put a crown of thorns, looked down at them and said, still with a tender heart, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. We can grow better or we can get bitter. That's a choice. When somebody hurts you, when somebody offends you, when somebody crosses you, when, when things go wrong in your life and it's a difficult time with somebody else, you have a choice to either get better, grow better, or get bitter. The second thing is this. We can grow sensitive or we become cynical. We can become more sensitive or we can become more cynical. Even as Christians, People hurt us, people offend us, people cross us or whatever. The struggle is not to become cynical. You know what? That's the way they are. That's the way that person, that's the way those people are. That's the way. Or we become more sensitive and realize we've got something sticking in our eye, sticking out of our eye. It's easy to point out that speck in theirs and forget that beam coming out of ours. And so in that real realization that we're saved by grace, that we're imperfect too, we can become more sensitive to others, even when they hurt us. Again, uh, we're talking about Christ's example. Knowing all that he was going through, all that he would go through, everything, and he's sitting there with a broken heart, weeping over the city. Number three, we can grow in grace, or we can grow grumpy. And unfortunately, I've seen a lot of grumpy Christians. And it does come because somebody's hurt their feelings, somebody's done this or done that. Man, I, I'm glad God doesn't treat me like that. He continues to show me grace, un, unmerited favor, undeserved. I don't deserve anything but judgment. None of us do. And when I mess up and when I disappoint him, when I fall short, all those things... That grace still comes. It doesn't mean there's not chastisement, there's not correction because of a loving father does that. But there's grace. Our challenge is to take on the mind of Christ that Paul charged the Philippians to have in Philippians chapter 2. See, it's with this mind that we can see our lives as vessels of God for him to accomplish his purpose. We must see that we only exist because he gave us life.
period. That's why we're here. We didn't earn it. We didn't, we didn't make our life ourselves. God gave us the life that we're living right now. We're sitting in these seats. I'm standing on this podium. It's all by God, not anything that I or you have done. It's a gift that he's given to us, life. Not only life on this earth, but eternal life. Let's think about that for a second. When we get wrapped up in our world, and our, we're, we're creating this world for ourselves and these lives for ourselves, let's remember that this morning we opened our eyes and that breath filled our lungs. It was only because God gave it to us. We didn't do that on our own. Now, physically, we know God designed the body and it, and it did it, but God is the one that gives life. So we got up this morning because God gave us another day. We got to remember that we exist because he gave us life. And we must, must, must see that we only have hope because he gave his life. Think about that. The only hope that we have in this life and the life to come is because God Almighty came to this earth in the flesh and gave up that life for us. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 12 that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. As the musicians make their way, we're going to stop at point one this morning. And I, I, I pray that we're challenged over this point. This example we see in our Lord of his brokenness over the lostness of the city. And that you and I as the recipients not only of life in this world, but eternal life. If you're a child of God this morning, you've been given grace, you've been given salvation. Every good gift comes from above, the Bible says. So everything that we have worthwhile or valuable to us has come from God. And the question that we, the moral question we've got to ask ourselves, the responsibility that we have to face up to as the children of God in this reality is this. What are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? And maybe you're like one of those that we were talking about all ago. Maybe you've become bitter. Maybe you've become cynical. Maybe you've become a grumpy Christian. And, and you don't, it's a hard thing to even be at church, let alone talk to people outside of church about Jesus Christ. I pray that you see the example of our Lord. If anybody had a, a, a right to get bitter, to get cynical, to be grumpy, it was Jesus Christ. For the way that his people, his own creation, treated him when he came to this world. If anybody had a right to not want to be around people and not talk to people and not do anything for people, it was Jesus Christ. Yet coming upon the city, he sees it, knowing all these things that have happened and that were going to happen, and he weeps. He's broken over. And I believe it wasn't just that, it wasn't just Jerusalem. I believe it carried over again as we see him in the garden that we will eventually see when we get there. Weeping. Sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. Knowing the judgment. Knowing the wrath of God. Knowing, knowing that, that moment that he would, he would have to experience this great death on the cross for our sins. And he still did it. He was buried. He rose again three days later. And he offered that life. He could have said, you know what? I've done all this. 
but you still aren't getting you still reject me you still you still aren't going to obey me and so i'm going to withhold the gift of life from you he had that right as god but he didn't he he offered up the salvation he, he gave the free gift he ascended to the right hand of the throne of god and before he did it he told his people go i've given you life now go share how to how to how other people can have it. So this morning, I, I pray that we would respond with our, our Savior's example. His brokenness serves as an example of what our brokenness should be. And if you don't have that this morning, you say, no, I, I, I live my life honestly. I, I know I'm a Christian, but I live my life from day to day, and I am. I'm so busy. My job, my kids, my family. We got so many activities and all this kind of stuff. And I, honestly, I never think about the lostness of people in this world. I'll probably work with people that are lost. They're going to spend eternity in hell. I'll probably live next to somebody that is. And I never think about them. And in the times that sometimes I do think about them, it doesn't break my heart that they, they're lost or they might be lost. If, if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you. Maybe you come to this altar. Or maybe you sit there in, that, in your seat and pray. But pray that God would give you a broken heart, just like Jesus had for you and for me. Pray that God would break your heart enough that you would say, you know what, I have salvation. And how selfish is it of me to have something that the lost world needs? And the only way for them to get it is for me to share it. Maybe we pray, God, give me a broken heart over the lost. Or maybe you're here this morning and you can't get there because you're like what we were talking about a while ago. Somebody's hurt you. Some people have hurt you. You've become bitter, cynical. You've, you've become grumpy. Maybe you need to pray this morning. God, help me forgive as you forgave me. God, help me, help me have grace like you've given me. And I want to have a love for my neighbor as I do for myself, just like you told me to. Well, however the Lord has spoken to your heart this morning, Maybe you've heard all these things that God has done for you and you've never surrendered your life. Maybe you've prayed a prayer. Maybe you've been to church. Maybe you've tried to be religious. Maybe you've tried to be good. And the scriptures that we shared this morning very clearly show that there's none good, that, that you can't do enough. There's not good works that you can do. It's only by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his resurrection, that he offers life. And if you've never turned your back on your life and given your life to him in faith, then I want to encourage you to come. I have two ministers down here. And you can just tell them, I want to go to heaven when I die. I, I want to do what you, the, the preacher was talking about. I, I've never done that before. And let them show you in Scripture exactly what we're talking about. The Christians, let's, let's see the example of our Lord and respond uh, how he wants us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for this example in Scripture. Again, thank you for the challenge that you've given me in this. Lord, I never want to be so busy, even in ministry, Lord, to not see the purpose of life here not to see that it's about people. Our lives exist to glorify you. And you desire that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And we realize that as your people, we've been given this great privilege and this command. Lord, help us start with a broken heart. Lord, help us to have that brokenness that you showed us. Lord, if there's some that are hardened, they're bitter, they're grumpy, they're, they're cynical towards relationships and towards people, pray that this morning that you would bring healing to their life. God, that, that the grace that you've showed them would just wash over their life. 
the forgiveness they've experienced would wash over them. Lord, that we would be the people you've called us to be. Lord, just work now on this invitation. We'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name.